1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standick, and I cover the Washington Commanders for the Athletic. Hope everyone had a great weekend and happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is today on Monday. Um, I just watched a bunch of NFL games, as you did, but there was still some Commanders things to discuss over the weekend, including... Uh, report about Sam Howe, as well as who is bidding on the Washington Commanders. We'll get to all that here in a moment on the Standard Groom Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. And on Monday morning, I'll have a new article up on the site, like a bit of of a notebook touching on a bunch of different topics, sort of putting a capper on last week with some of the uh, things that Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew said, uh, apologies, I, I first time I got a cold in, I don't know, since the you know early 2020 when the whole COVID situation started, knocked me out for a couple of days in terms of uh, not being able to sound reasonable on the podcast, so uh, that I've been a little bit delayed off of that front, but we're back and we're ready to go here as well as on the website. Speaking of the website, had a lot of fun the other day with David Aldridge, Uh, We did a live room. It's Essentially, if you've been on Twitter, it's like the Twitter spaces. It's an opportunity for myself and for David to talk to each other as well as answer your questions somewhere in the chat. Some people we can bring in live to the discussion. A lot of fun, and I really look forward to doing more of these as the season goes along. I will do my best to put the audio up of that on the site Uh, for those of you who missed it. I listened to the audio. I'm hoping we can have one of our uh, uh, sound engineers clean it up a little bit. So uh, we'll go from there. And um, always fun, of course, talking to DA about anything, but talking to him about this team. Um, all right. I want to get to a couple of things. And I should also just add quickly uh, exit interviews we, of course, did the other day with the players. I'm going to play some of that audio for you guys in the coming days from some of the players that I talked to for sure. Now, Let's see, where should we start? Let's start with the Sam Howell uh, situation that came out over the weekend. Um, initially, CBS Sports had something that said that the commanders, in when they're speaking with some of their candidates uh, for the offensive coordinator position, now that Scott Turner is gone, that they are saying that Sam Howell is, uh, I believe it was, quote, likely, end quote, going to be the QB1. That's how they were looking at it. Now, here's what I was subsequently told. Yes, in discussions with candidates, they are saying that Sam Howell is effectively likely to be number one. But it doesn't really mean a ton right now because, you know, we don't even know who the other quarterbacks on the roster will be. We can pretty feel we can feel pretty confident Carson Wentz will not be coming back for a variety of reasons, including the fact that this report even exists. Um, they're not bringing Carson Wentz back for the money period, but let alone even in some other role where he would be backing up Sam Howe, hypothetically. That's not happening. So Carson Wentz will eventually be released. They have time to do that, but eventually he will be released. And again, no cap money or no dead money, I should say, tied up there. As for Taylor Heineke, we will see. He'll enter free agency. Could, could come back. The fact that Scott Turner is no longer here probably – doesn't help that cause, but obviously Heineken showed what he can do independent of that. I would imagine. So I guess let me tell you what I think the Sam Howell news really means, because I think there's a few things here that it actually means. So first of all, it means that they liked what they saw. Now, that may sound like an obvious thing, and, you know, we can already see it happening, That everybody's making it out to be like this was the first time we saw Dan Marino play as a rookie or something. Sam Howell did a very nice job. That 52 yard pass to Terry McLaurin was an absolute laser. Uh, I believe I saw it was the longest uh, pass. It was 60 air yards, which is the longest pass by a Washington player, I believe since the. If this is from Next Gen Stats, I believe since Next Gen Stats existed, which is like in 2016 or or something. Longest pass completed, of course. Uh, Sam Howell's got mobility. He's confident. The offense, I think, just had a better flow, and he played like he does not need to wait and see a clear window before throwing, which is one of the knocks uh, on Carson Wentz uh, for sure. So, look, I think they like how. What does that mean? Well, again, I I don't think it means a ton. Again, it's January what sixteenth? Okay, there is going to be free agency. There will be the draft. There will also be the trade market. I think what this says to me also, though, is is that they are not going to go crazy in terms of spending on a quarterback. Now, this is not exactly breaking news. I mean, you know, look, we would have to see what their mentality is in terms of you know we desperately need to get a quarterback and we will pay through the nose to get a Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo or hey. You know, we just watched the Ravens lose with that Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, and it doesn't seem like that's getting any better. You know, if he's available, what do you do? I, I think all that stuff is on hold, and I'll get to why in a second. But I think saying you're going to go with Hal signals that you are not looking to go big time for one of those guys. It would be weird to say Hal is the likely one, and then you, you know, go out and get somebody else. But we'll see. You, you never know who's going to be available or what deals are presented. Which is also why stating he's the QB1 right now really doesn't mean a heck of a lot for sure. Here's what I also think it means. I also think it means they're not drafting a quarterback in the first, second, or third round. Um, I, you've heard me say over the years I would draft probably one on, at least by, on day three almost every single year because it's a lottery ticket. And look, hey, Sam Howell might be a lottery ticket himself now that he's you know a fifth-round pick who's even just been giving a shot to start and i think it's a reasonable one at, at that but i think if you're stating this you're bringing in a veteran quarterback to help the cause either to potentially start because of uh, how's not ready or to um or, or or to be you know help him along the way be the backup the way Heineke's been and and so on i don't think you're adding a rookie on top of Sam Howell now again we don't know what the, how the draft will shake out the general assumptions are that the top three prospects at this point, uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Will Levis, uh, are going to go somewhere in the top ten. Washington, of course, is picking sixteen, so that would seem unlikely to get them. And then after that, we'll have to see. You know, the Florida's Anthony Richardson is he is he in that sixteen range or not? All these things. But to me, it is saying like Sam Howell is the effect effectively the rookie that they're going to have and they'll add a veteran somewhere. Um, now, I talked about everything I just said to you. Is more about this, more of my thoughts, and other insight on this particular aspect that will be on the in the story on The Athletic. But here's one more thing I think is important to note. This is my speculation. I believe that part of the reason why this story came out was because now we're not talking about other things. Right, last week was not a very good week for Washington from like a PR perspective, despite coming off that win over Dallas. Now, again, there is the Sam Howell component, and, uh, and the defense played well, and all these things. And we can say that for certain players, this was a pretty big year, and you know, disappointing, but okay, at the end, not making the playoffs. But then there was the Scott Turner firing. There was all this talk at uh, the, the the final press conference about. They want to be a run-heavy team. Martin Mayhew made an inadvertent comment about that that people took as them wanting to, run, you know, have a two-to-one run-to-pass ratio. That's not accurate, but they put that out there to the universe and said said as much. That, that's having been dialed back to a degree, and people were just not happy. I think you know, look understandable, right? Ron Rivera has his team has not had a winning record in three years. And you know they they blew this one in particular. They still haven't solved the quarterback situation, no matter what anybody thinks of Sam Howell at this point. So there's a lot of negative. That this report came out, I, I mean, I I just think that again, it's not. I think perhaps again the most significant aspect of this is the fact that we are now talking about something else that it is not about what happened last week or the Carson Wentz mess. We're, we're it's an attempt to try to move on. And I think that is something just to keep in mind because I've already seen aggregations suggesting that Sam Howell is definitely the QB1 next next year. He is not that. It's not what I've heard. It's not what anybody is saying. What I've heard was, again, they are looking at him right now as that person. They're asking the coordinators to some degree to think about what you would do with him. But again, we don't know what else is happening, and he still has to win the job, beat out whomever, and so on. This is, you know, uh, so I, I just think this is, to a degree, an opportunity to, you know, just a couple of days after the Turner thing to talk about something else. It's smart play, but again, a January 14th when the story came out, now January 16th doesn't really mean that much, in my opinion. But it's interesting, and I do like Sam How. So hopefully, that uh, works out. For uh, for everybody, we'll see where Sam Howell's at when we come back around to him to see him in a few months. All right, let's uh talk about quickly the offensive coordinator situation as well as uh pull a little more here about Scott Turner. We'll do that right after this message.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: All right, a couple quick notes here with regards to the offensive coordinator situation. So again, they've been trying to talk to some folks regarding the opportunity. That's where this HAL news came from. Uh, A report came out that uh, Jim Caldwell, the former uh, Lions and Colts head coach, was contacted by Washington, but he is in the market for a head coaching job and it reportedly said no. I believe Mike Garofolo from NFL Network had that. Uh, so we will see where that goes. You know, again, if you're asking me who the coordinator will be, rather than giving specific names, I would just say I would imagine it will be somebody who's already done the job before rather than having uh, – a for another first time coordinator, not because of Scott Turner, but because this is a big year and I don't think Rivera can afford to have the training wheels out for somebody. And again, as we have discussed already, until we have a resolution with the ownership deal, it is hard for an offensive coordinator with options to consider a place where the head coach is tenure is unclear. Uh, so all that is something to keep in mind, uh, you know, obviously everybody's pointing towards some, uh, a coordinator who's going to be willing to uh, be a run first team based on how Ron Rivera and Mayhew discussed the offense at that last pre- at that last press conference. That seems reasonable to me, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't my guess is it's going to be less about the system and more about comfort. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But we'll see. and then again, if if uh, meeting with Dan Snyder, which I'll talk about in a second, you know, could that have any bearing on the situation that is hard to to say. you know, obviously, there's a lot that went into this to the situation with Scott Turner in terms of you know, why didn't things work out? Is he to blame? You know, I generally don't think he is to blame, even though criticisms of sort of his play calling, the sequence, the sequencing of it. I think all, and and maybe not using certain people to the best of their abilities at all times, I think that's all reasonable kind of stuff. But at the same point, as we know, Scott Turner did not have a viable quarterback here pretty much the whole three years. Uh, You know, at least three three starting quarterbacks in each of his three seasons. I can't remember if I talked about this here the other day or not, but, you know, if Alex Smith or... Taylor Heineke is viewed as the best quarterback here in the last three years. Those would be the candidates. And the you look then, who would be third place? Honestly, the answer might be Carson Wentz. And obviously, the, you know, Wentz barely even played here, relatively speaking, let alone didn't have a ton of success. So that goes to show what Scott Turner has been dealing with. And to that end, you know, I've heard people ask, you know, maybe Scott Turner was one of these people who was into Carson Wentz. And thus, perhaps that has something to do with his firing and this, that, and the other. My understanding, having uh, checked in with this here and there, is that Scott Turner was not on board with Carson Wentz. That he, not, don't know to what degree he was against it, but that was not. He was not saying, "Yeah, let's go do this." It's according to somebody I spoke with who's familiar with the situation, so I would, um, you know, I just, I'm just putting that out there for for anybody. Who's interested? I mean, it's it's it, it's notable to an extent. It doesn't change anything. He is now gone. I'm looking for somebody else, but I just wanted to mention that um, right now. All right, let's go to a different topic, uh, and that is a topic that came out. Uh, the all the important is Dan Snyder selling topic, and who's going to buy it if he does? A report came out on Sunday from Front Office Sports, uh, and then others have have mentioned some version of this now as well that. Bids have come in for the commanders by the late December deadline, but Jeff Bezos, the, uh, you know, the, the 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 front runner, everybody thinks, you know, when you're one of the, you know, two or three or four richest men in the world that can have that effect, and you own the, the local main paper, <laughs> it's understandable why people may think that. Uh, that said he did not submit a bid according to the to the report now this may not mean much of anything he may simply have uh, decided to uh, to wait for whatever the reason because he doesn't want to start a bidding war uh, who knows if Jeff Bezos comes in and says i will offer x i suspect they will look past whatever deadlines or whatever else was was going on um, you know until we hear anything more formal about the uh, the bids. Who's making the bids? It's really hard to speculate beyond that. What I have heard is that it does sound like things are progressing. uh You know, I don't I don't mean like it's going to happen tomorrow. I, I still in my head see the March owners meeting as perhaps the first marker to to look at and see can something get done by then, which isn't the same as saying we may not hear about more specifics in the coming days that could be interesting for sure but it sounds to me like things are progressing and i guess i mean by that if nothing else progressing towards a dan snyder sale not saying definitively it is dan snyder does not confide in me uh, but we'll see but it, it it feels like things are progressing in that way and now soon we'll figure out who um who are the leading contenders for this opportunity um Speaking of Snyder, I want to get to uh, something here, and that is I mentioned this the other day, at least on Twitter, but Ron Rivera said this in his uh, exit in his uh, press conference that he and Dan Snyder and I would assume Tanya Snyder as well as maybe Martin Mayhew will be meeting to, you know, cap off the year and then look forward as well. The assumption that what they were so he was saying Monday, that was what I had heard as well. I believe the meeting is still on for this week, but my sense is it is not going to be on Monday now. Beyond that, I don't know what what why that's the case, um, but that apparently is is what it will be happening. So I'm told we'll we'll obviously hear more about this on Monday, but that is what I am told. Um but what is this meeting about? You know, the owner speaks to the coach all the time. Uh, I mean, typically, I'm not saying this particular one, but at the end of the year, they have a conversation, good or bad, right? What happened this year? What did we learn? Where are we? What? What? Give me some of the, the, you know, the, the real story here. Why did, um, you know, the offense struggle to score points this year? Why? Uh, why? Why did the defense take another surge and can this be sustainable? Whatever the whatever the deal is, but I think a lot of people got frustrated last week in the Rivera Mayhew a discussion because there wasn't much revealed. Totally fair point. The reporters felt that way. I know a lot of people listening to it, it, people in the league, fans, etc., had a similar reaction that by and large we didn't get much out of it. But I do think there was something very important that was said. It was one specific word that was mentioned twice that I'm not sure I've ever heard before mentioned in one of these season ending press conferences. And that is the word budget budget. And I don't mean budget as in how much money are we putting aside to sign a uh, guard? How much money do we have to sign a uh, new returner or what or how much money do we have to keep a Cole Holcomb or a Danny Johnson or whomever? What I believe and what I have, well let me rephrase it. What it what it what the term of budget meant this is, this is the thing I'm, I'm not having to hype it. I'm not having to uh, guess is that it is literally the budget of how much cash do they have to spend. And the fact that this word was mentioned twice, each once by each Rivera and Mayhew, is very. I believe is very important. Because we typically talk about cap space and things along those lines, obviously important, but that can be manipulated. How much actual money you have to spend is another story. And there is this thing called the funding rule. It's an archaic rule from put in place by the NFL many, many years ago when not all teams were always flush with cash, the deal is you for guarantee. essentially what the deal is with regards to guaranteed money. Um, you have to put that money in a, uh, in an, in an escrow. So it will be there definitively. And you can't, you know, have some owner, you know, uh, not, you know, not, not meeting their obligations. Right. So, this is the deal. Now, last year, Terry McCorn, you know, signs that three-year, $69 million extension. Uh, I, think, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's like $53 million was guaranteed. So, in essence, by and large, whatever money wasn't paid directly to him in terms of, like, a signing bonus had to go into this account. And the reason why this matters is Dan Snyder may be selling this team soon. Does Dan Snyder want to lock up that kind of money. And also the question is, does he have that kind of money? Obviously once he were to sell the team, somebody else would have, would would have to deal with this. He would get paid by the other person, but we don't know when, and when this will happen. So is Dan Snyder willing to sock away all this kind of money? And I think this is also factors into the Sam Howell of all, because, You know, even if you're going to think you're going to take on Derek Carr's contract, forget the draft picks it would take to trade for him from the Raiders. You know, his current deal, as it's situated, is, you know, cap numbers over $30 million. Next year is even higher. This is a huge, huge contract that they would have to. um, Presumably, there'd be negotiations, right? There would be a renegotiation. It would lower the cap number. But then, you know, Derek Carr is going to want to get something out of it that type of deal. Um even you know of course for D'Aaron Payne as well, same deal. If he's going to get a multi-year contract averaging over 20 million a year, then there's going to be huge guarantees in that. John Allen's deal was about 33 million in guarantees. Jeron Payne is looking like that's going to be even higher. So, I think this is something to keep in mind. And then in terms of the cash flow aspect, again, Dan Snyder took on a bunch more debt when he bought out his minority partners in 2021 he was given a, a waiver by the league to go beyond the, the the standard debt levels and you know there has been some sense that cash flow is not his deal and i do from my understanding this meeting and w- will be isn't just about cap space and again i they talk about money before but it does feel for the first time in the Dan Snyder era that the actual cash flow is part of the story which is why the two principals in that press conference both used the word budget. Um, more in my article on The Athletic about this, but I do think it's something to keep in mind. Again, we don't know the timeline for Dan Snyder selling, but the the, the coaches have got to start planning. What do we do? Well, if, if your rookie quarterback and Sam Howe is making less than $900,000 this year, which is what his salary is, it's the really good thing about having a rookie quarterback um, if he starts for you. Then you could spend a lot more money elsewhere, and with Carson Wentz's, uh, you know, twenty-something million dollar cap hit coming off the books, that'll free up space. Even if they use that just on pain, you know, they'll still even have a little bit more after that. I mean, if like if it's the franchise tag, but what else are you going to do? You need to you need to fix the offensive line, and if you know that the cash flow won't be there, you're going to have to make some calls. And again, free agency starts before. The owners meeting in March, if so, if it is going to take till then, the Rivera and Mayhew will have to know what they are dealing with. So I think all that is is something to keep in mind for sure. I don't know how much we'll learn about what went on in those meetings, but eventually, hopefully we will get something out of that. Um, a couple other notes here. I mentioned the cap space. Um Kendall Fuller, we don't really talk about him in this regard. And I don't. this is not going to be a negative by any stretch. Kendall Fuller had a really good year. And with, you know, with William Jackson moved on and Benjamin St. You still developing, you know, Kendall Fuller is by far the number one corner in the, uh, on the team. You know, he has a, a cap hit this year of 11.6 million, but only 3.125 of that is, is dead cap. So you could save, you know, over $8 million if you released him. Now, I don't think they will do that, but, you know, this is an opportunity for a renegotiation. He's in entering the last year of his contract. I would think there's a reasonable chance he, Washington would want to keep him. He's now you know spent most of his career here. Seems like he really enjoys himself over there. Uh, you know, unless he just is really wants to test free agency, this to me would seem like an opportunity to extend a contract. There is no more guarantee money left on his deal, so you could give him some guarantee money, extend the deal, so he's you know on the team. This year, next year, at a minimum, and then kind of go from there. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Um, and I will just note that, uh, you know, again, like I, 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 this is the type of deal where it seems to me you could make some hay by um, renegotiating a deal with a guy to keep him longer term. I think that's something they could do. Lastly, well, actually, not lastly, another note here, and I have a bunch of these notes in the article on the uh, that's up today, but I'm just reading a couple of them here. I don't even actually have the fuller one in there. I just uh, thought about that while I was prepping for this show. Uh, obviously, we know about Deron Payne's situation, that he is the one in the box. We'll see, you know, what they can do here from a negotiating standpoint or if they use the franchise tag or what have you. But up next, one way or the other is going to be Montez Sweat. He's now entering. His fifth year, we saw John Allen in 2021 get an extension before that fifth year. We've now seen Duron Payne play it out. What does any of this mean for Montez Sweat, who came off a pretty good year? Eight sacks. uh, Had some uh, uh, career highs and tackles for loss and quarterback hits. Excellent year. And look, Chase Young, you know, came back at the end of the year, but, you know, still uh, not. You know, we're still not sure where Chase Young is at, so keeping Montez Sweat would seem to be a pretty reasonable thing, but you guys have heard this many times. Can you afford to extend all four of the defensive linemen? Okay. Well, so the question, I guess, sort of is, and it's one that's going to be interesting, which path does Montez Sweat follow? Is he a John Allen who gets a deal done, or is he a Deron Payne who plays out the air, independent of what happens here with Payne? If you made me guess right now, I would guess Montez Sweat plays it out. Again, similar to what I said about the Sam Howell thing, we've got a ways to go. People can change their minds or they can make their minds up. (laughs) You know, uh, Whatever it may be, who knows what variables will be in place. But if I had to guess right now, I I would guess that Montez Sweat plays it out. Um, And that may be, I'm not saying necessarily a smart move. I know not everybody's thrilled that Washington waited here for Geron Payne. And then he goes out and delivers, you know, an incredible year. And his price probably goes up. Very likely goes up. uh, I don't just mean up from what he's making now, but up from prior expectations. Um, But, you know, that leverage of getting to the open market is pretty tempting. And so that's where I would fit. That's what I would do. had not had a a all-pro all selection uh, by uh, since uh 1996 until Brandon Scherf got it in 2020. Now here comes Jeremy Reeves. He's getting it in 2022. An incredible story. The guy doesn't even make the roster you know been trying to here since 2019, had never made the roster, finally did this year and great, you know, a great year you know, contributed on at safety, but just a a a, a guy who's persevered a lot. He is uh, hung in there. Ron vera has been impressed, and he had an excellent year. And what I got to be thinking about is, like, we keep talking about that, like, Jeremy Reeves only just made the team, which is accurate. This is the first year he made the 53 coming out of camp. But I was thinking about this. Who was beating him out? Ironically, and I say ironically because this guy gets a lot of grief. I understand why from a sports perspective, but he's a nice guy in the in the times I've dealt with him, and that is Troy Apke. Troy Apke, who obviously this year he and Jeremy Reeves essentially switched places. Right? Jeremy Reeves was on the roster. Troy Apke was a guy who was brought back and forth a few times and so on. And it got me thinking that, you know, Troy Apke, while he was drafted as a safety, the primary component for his for him being on the roster all this time was special teams. We we saw his, the defensive back stuff did not work out, but special teams that seemed to be where he shined. And now this year, if they flip it, they put Reeves on, they take Apke off and Jeremy Reeves goes all the way to become the best special teams player in the league. Now, I don't know how much he's improved on special teams over the last couple of years, but it is pretty wild that the, that the, the coaching staff kept going with Apke over uh, uh, Reeves and again this coaching staff did not draft Troy Apke the other one did so it's not like they were obligated to him anyway I just thought that was funny Tr- Jeremy Reeves kept getting beat up by Troy Apke two years in a row essentially it wasn't necessarily a direct one on one but they're both you know safeties by, na- by trade who play special teams and now Jeremy Reeves goes in and he is the special teams uh, all pro as well as the NFC special teams player I, I just find that amusing and funny and you know, it's what I do. Um, all right. I uh, appreciate everybody hanging with me here through this uh, monologue of a podcast, uh, plenty more to, to come. Uh, I'm hoping going to have uh, a guest on this week to talk about the NFL playoff, but also kind of some other details with regards to Washington's quarterback situation and some other things along the way. And plenty more to come. So I appreciate it. Again, at Ben Standing on Twitter. And you can find the last uh, the Standard Group Only podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. That is it for now. Hope everybody is doing well. Uh, until next time, see ya.